This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. A program for and about America's 78 million baby boomers. Here's your host, Freddie Bell. Hi, everybody. I'm Freddie Bell, and welcome to New Beginnings. We'll talk to Libel Sternbach this week. Also, Joe McKenzie is here. We'll look at what happened this week and also share today's words to the wise. You're listening to New Beginnings, and our program is underway right now. Have you ever been scammed out of money? Have you gone to your checking account or your savings account and you realize that there's not as many funds in there as you thought? Well, Jay Hapla, the Associate State Director for Deverly RP in Minnesota, is really working hard to help you to keep more of your hard-earned money. Jay, what are you seeing? Uh, what's the, the imposter scam? Is that is that one coming back again? Oh, it's going round and round, Freddie. I don't think it ever goes away, but right now is the perfect time for criminals to be using a few different kinds of imposter scams just because of the way the calendar works and what folks are dealing with right now. And you're right, you know, there's maybe never been a more important time for people to be focused on their on their bank account and their savings and trying to make their money last. Um, we certainly don't want these scammers to get their hands on it. So how are you addressing this? How do you stop scams? What is, uh, how does AARP direct this work? Yes, sir. So we run a program called the Fraud Watch Network, and folks can call our toll-free number and get help navigating through all the different type of scams that they see. And then when people are victimized and they've lost money, we can help them figure out where to get help. But with all that data we collect from the thousands of people that call our uh, hotline every month, then we get the information we can share with your listeners and the public and help everyone avoid all of these scams. So why do you call it the perfect time of the year for scams right now? Well, there's a few things just going on in our world that make sense for the scammers to take advantage of, and I'll list them here and explain how they work. Um, back in September, the federal government stopped sending COVID tests for free through the mail, and some scammers have figured out, well, they could just replace those advertisements online with their own type of free fake ads that say you can get a free COVID test. Um, but those fake ads, they just collect people's personal information and oftentimes their payment information as well. So what? here's what folks need to know. If you want to get reimbursed for your COVID test, if you need one, talk to your insurance company, talk to your health care provider. And if you're going to go online and search, make sure you're on a website that ends with .gov. That's .gov, the government website, and they'll explain to you how you can get reimbursed for your your COVID test. But don't just be clicking on those random ads you see on the Internet. So that's just a current event that makes sense for the scammers. And another uh, type of imposter scam happening right now, it's really they're impersonating utility companies, banks, and online retailers like Amazon and their what I've seen lately is that these these companies, these legitimate companies, are sending out alerts with advice for their customers. They're telling us all to be vigilant against fake payment requests. So these are common. And your bank and utility companies are not going to send you a request for payment with gift cards, wire transfers, or those apps like PayPal, Venmo, and Zelle. That's the scammers out there sending messages trying to get paid by impersonating those companies. 
And then also they say ignore the urgent emails and tests that say your account has been compromised or it's been charged. Those are just scare tactics by imposters and scammers. And those emails often are text messages say, contact us and we'll help you sort this out. But it's really an imposter. And then when it comes to your online accounts, we want folks to use multi-factor authentication. That's some big words, but um, the way it's when you try to log in on your online account and then you have to get a text message or an email to access your account, that's good protection against scammers and hackers getting into your account. But what the scammers do is they call their victims and they want to get that code because they're trying to log into your account. So don't be handing out those codes over the inter- or over the phone when someone calls you, that's for sure. Oh, my gosh. Jay Happelow with us this morning talking about how to protect ourselves against these imposter scams. Uh, Jay, I got one for you. Uh, and I'm, I know I'm not supposed to call you with the, this information, but uh, there's one on Facebook that I just noticed the other day that said that I may have used copyrighted photos. And to click <laughs> here to... Um, make sure that we're protected and that I don't have to pay money or something like that to uh, to protect my to protect my account and to keep my account from being closed down permanently. Well, okay, no, nothing's and, happened to my account yet. Okay, that's good. So, how'd that make you feel when you saw that alert? I was concerned. I was really sure, concerned sure. because you know, with our KMOJ account, we have several photos, and even on my personal one, there's several photos out there. Right. And so that's the number one tactic for these scammers is they have to get an emotional response out of you. So, And it sounds like you reacted properly. Sure, you were concerned and you're thinking, am I in trouble because I've used some photos that I wasn't supposed to use? And that's the first step that the scammers need is someone to get emotional because it short circuits our better judgment. So when you feel that that uh, uneasiness or concern because you see something on Facebook or you see something in your email account, that's a good red flag to know this might be a scam. You know, these are some smart people. Why don't they just get a real job? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. I'm with you, but it, it isn't going to stop. So we all got to support each other and share this information with your family, friends. Keep everyone safe. Do you have a real scam number that we can call if we'd like to report a scam or get more information? <laughs> Well, I get plenty of reports myself, that's for sure. Our number where folks can call and get help is 877-908-3360. Jay Happala, Associate State Director for Community Engagement for AARP Minnesota. Jay, I can't thank you enough for being with us. Thanks for being here. Likewise. Thanks, Freddie. Have a good one. Okay, you too. Just for fun this week on New Beginnings, according to a study, trying just one cigarette leads most people to a daily smoking habit. Too bad that doesn't work for exercise. A survey recently found that 75% of Americans who purchase gadgets like streaming devices, smart TVs, printers, and Wi-Fi routers try setting them up on their own. The study also found that nearly a third of those who do try give up and call tech support. It's Girl Scout cookie time again. Individual troops began organizing cookie sales as early as 1917 to fund the troops' activities. The first record of such a sale was by the Mistletoe Group in Muskogee, Oklahoma, in December of 1917. In 2022, the Girl Scout magazine, The American Girl, suggested cookie sales as a fundraiser and provided recipes. In 1933, Girl Scouts in Philadelphia organized the first official Girl Scout cookie sale, selling homemade 
bake cookies in the windows of local utility companies. The first Girl Scout cookie recipe was a sugar cookie. In 1936, the national organization began licensing commercial bakers to produce them. And speaking of food, do you crave odd foods like orange peels, tomatoes, clay, or ice? If you do, you probably have a mineral deficiency called pica. Ask your doctor to perform a blood test to see if you're anemic. Both iron and zinc deficiencies have been associated with pica. And a Danish study suggested that drinkers who exercise for at least three hours a week might live longer than non-drinkers who don't hit the gym at all. According to the evidence gathered over several decades, at all exercise levels, non-drinkers were worse off at 30% to 31% higher risk of heart disease compared with moderate drinkers. But just when we are getting excited about the possibilities of binge drinking after our next spinning class, the inevitable, the thud-like definition of moderate drinking can rolling. That's around a glass of wine a day, which is thought to reduce bad cholesterol in your blood. Anything more, and the benefits might be moot. Just thought you'd like to know, just for fun, with Freddie Bell. In today's world, we really need words of encouragement. Introducing Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell. Let your mind be opened by the wisdom of thought. Let the inspiration of the words feed your mind, body, and spirit. Regardless of the issues you face each day, Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell can help you power through. Words to the Wise by Freddie Bell, a handy reference. Available on Amazon, freddiebell.com, and Barnes & Noble. You're listening to New Beginnings, New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. You know, since uh, late November, a new subvariant of Omicron called XBB dot one dot five has steadily been getting traction in the U.S. during Thanksgiving week and made up just one percent of COVID-19 cases in the country. That according to data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And it's picked up speed over the holidays and now it makes up more than 40 percent of all cases nationally. However, we're seeing this morning that COVID trends here in Minnesota are staying stable, even with the presence of new variants. And I'm just wondering is it time to take our guards down and remove the mask? Dr. Michael Osterholm, he joins us right now. What do you think? Well, good morning, Freddie. And let me give a shout-out to one of my favorite DJs, to you, Freddie. Uh, we've, been doing this now, we've, we've been doing this now for uh, quite a while, and it's always an honor and a pleasure to be on with you. I appreciate that very much. Somebody you're, you're close an important to the, voice. Well, thank you. And a person that's close to the president and people who make decisions regarding our country and those around the world, it's also a pleasure being with you as well. Good. Well, well. You first of all, you teed it up very, very well in terms of what the current situation is. And I think, as I've shared with you in past interviews, you know, every morning the first thing I do when I wake up is I try to chip off the five inches of accumulated mud on my uh, crystal ball and uh, <laughs> see what, what's going to happen from there. And and it's it's a humility. It's you have to have a lot of humility to be in this business right now. So what's going to happen? Well, we don't know, and we have to say that. Um, you know, we've had experiences in the past where we've had variants emerge in one part of the country and not spread to other parts of the country. Uh, and so this new XBB 1.5 that you talked about, in fact, really is uh, a real concern in the Northeast. But although it does appear that the number of cases are beginning to level off and even drop in some locations, as you noted, we have not seen it increase here. 
So I think the concern, though, is is that this news may sound like we're done and over. And this virus just continues to throw curveballs at us. I mean, look what it's doing in China right now. It, the situation in China is by far the most dire in the entire pandemic. Um, there's estimates that just in recent weeks, anywhere from 60,000, but as high as 600,000 people have died in China. And so, you know, the virus isn't done yet. It's continuing to mutate. It's continuing to change. We can only hope that every month is the last month that we're going to see cases around the country uh, or around the world. But I think that uh, that's just not going to happen soon. Are some of the symptoms of the XBB different than what we've seen before? We were just talking with Chantel here in the studio about uh, in, about uh, different uh, symptoms. Chantel, can you outline yeah. that? Yeah, I feel like uh, I had some uh, some around Thanksgiving time. I had COVID before this, uh, Thanksgiving of last year um, with mm-hmm. the symptoms of body aches and, you know, extreme fatigue. I couldn't stand for longer than like two minutes. Uh, but this time around, I had a really bad sore throat for about a month. I had extreme fatigue, but that's kind of where it stopped. And I wouldn't I didn't test for COVID, but I felt like maybe I had this variant. What kind of symptoms yeah. would that be kind of the symptoms for this new variant? Well, you know, it's interesting, Chantel, that you, you bring up the fact that you had it before. And surely you have some protection in your immune system from previously been exposed to the virus. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that wanes over time, meaning that the protection drops as you kind of age the immune response. And so what you're talking about with these different kinds of illnesses surely sounds very consistent with what could be the case with COVID. I think the really good news is, of course, you didn't get severely ill and need hospitalization for either of them, which says that future episodes likely will do the same with you unless we just see a variant that changes so much. So, but that's one of the, this is not an uncommon presentation that you, you talked about. Now, the other good thing it sounds like is you've not gone on developed long COVID. And, of course, that's a concern we've had for anywhere from 20 to 30 percent of the people who get COVID. Then go on and have these long-term chronic symptoms, severe fatigue for day after day after day, you know, brain fog, uh, in some cases, difficulty breathing. So, I mean, that's good news to hear that as many as although you've had two episodes, neither were serious, and you don't sound like you have any evidence at all of long COVID. I feel like I'm at the doctor's office right now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, that's why we have you here, so you can help interpret all this so it makes sense, okay? <laughs> so you're doing a great job. So let's talk about that. You know, we've talked about uh, being in large crowds and uh, making sure that we're covered if we're immune, compromised. Or, or, but what about XBB? I'm wondering, it's, you mentioned how it's more contagious and it uh, avoids the vaccines. Is it likely to cause another surge in infections? Yeah, I don't think it's going to cause another surge in infections. And we have to really, I think, put the message out there loud and clear right now that as this pandemic has evolved and as we've gone through different periods of different variants and who's at risk. For example, in the earliest days of the pandemic, the strains of the virus we saw very rarely caused serious illness in children. And in fact, often children didn't seem to get infected. Mm-hmm. Where when Omicron emerged a year ago right now, over 700 kids died in this country from Omicron-related COVID. And so that it can change over time how and what it does. What we're seeing right now is by far the vast majority of the serious illness, hospitalizations, and deaths are occurring among those who are 65 years of age or older 
even in some cases taking it down as low as 50 years of age. And so one of the things that we have continued to emphasize, and I hope for your audience, you, they hear this loud and clear, the, this new booster vaccine is working and it's working well to reduce the likelihood of needing to be hospitalized, being seriously ill or dying. So, and we still only have a minority of people uh, vaccinated in this country who are 65 years of age and older. In some cases, it's lower than 30%. Some fortunate areas, it's higher than as high as 50%. But it's a long ways from everybody. And we could really, really do a lot to reduce the number of deaths and serious illnesses if we could just get people to get this new booster. If, particularly if you're, again, if you're over age 50, for sure. Yet the number of uh, people who are of color who are African Americans seem to be getting still getting the uh, COVID uh, disease at a rate that's three times their white counterparts. Uh, they are, although you know, Freddie. One of the things that's also happened with the evolution of this uh, uh, virus over time is that you know the communities of color were hit really hard, very hard in the earliest days of the pandemic. Why? Because so many of them were essential workers who had to go to work every day. Mm-hmm. You know, places stayed open. We needed that. We needed to have those services. But there was, and there was no vaccine. In addition, we saw an increased number of individuals who lived in multi-generational homes where, you know, you couldn't protect grandpa and grandma if, in fact, you know, you were coming, going to work because you had to go to work every day. That's beginning to change. And guess, now what we're seeing is an increased number of cases and deaths, actually, particularly in those who have been unvaccinated, who are in uh, what would be considered classic red counties, where, you know, they're basically just, I'm not going to get vaccinated. That's actually where we're seeing more of the deaths right now, hmm. is in that population in those counties. So what would be your prescription for us today? How do we protect ourselves? I got a text right here that says, I've had four vaccines, Dr. Osterholm, Johnson Johnson 1 and 2, Booster 1, Booster 2. Do I have to get another stick to protect myself against XBB? What's well, your prescription for us today? Yeah, if you haven't gotten the new booster, I'd definitely get it. I got mine. I have five doses of vaccine on board. I've got mine. Um, and, you know, I think that this is one situation where, you know, we have to live our lives. We're going to continue to live our lives. Getting vaccinated uh, with that most recent booster is really very, very helpful. Number two is, you know, we have a kind of a, a policy at our home here because we we miss people. We want to be with people. So we have people come over. And here's what we do. You can, you know, we can get together for an evening dinner, a, a wonderful time. If you've not been with somebody who's had COVID in the last three days. Number two is if you have any symptoms yourself, even sniffles, then you're, you're out. You can't come. Or number three, we just test, you know, six to two hours or so before the event and with the home test. And if you're negative, and, you know, we've been seeing a fair number of people over recent months, and we're still negative. I think you can do things like that. If you are someone who is particularly at risk for serious illness, older, have underlying health conditions, uh, you know, wearing your N95 respirator, the tight face-fitting mask, you know, the not the loose one, uh, that can really provide a lot of protection there. So I think it's things like that where we're going to we got to keep living our lives what can we do to reduce the likelihood of having more severe illness? And if you just follow that, because those steps right there, you can do a lot to reduce your risk. Should we go to the playoff games or the Super Bowl or just stay home and watch it on the new big screen? 
Well, first of all, you're asking me that today, not last week, okay? Because last right. week I said, hey, man, we're all going. <laughs> we're going to load up that jet and go, man. Right. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, uh, that's been a bad week for us here. So, uh, right. yeah, you know, I think, again, you can be in public spaces and crowds. I still continue to wear my N95 respirator. You know, go ahead, I go to concerts. I I go to events like that, but I wear that. And you know, I'm an old guy. You know, I'm, I'll be 70 years old in a few days. And uh, you know, in that regard, in that thank you. In that regard, I uh, you know, I'm at risk for it, so I do that. Take that up extra stuff to protect myself. I'm not young like the two of you. You know, you guys have the benefits of youth, okay? <laughs> and the doctor has jokes, too. Right. <laughs> Dr. Osterholm, Michael Osterholm, thanks so much for enlightening so it's us. Good to, it's good to be with you guys. Thank Me you too. very much for thanks what for you do to get the information out. Thank you. It's our pleasure. Thanks for keeping us safe. Thanks for joining us this week. It's time now for This Week in History. In 1789, presidential electors met and chose George Washington as America's first president. In 1861, Apache Chief Cochise was arrested in Arizona for raiding a ranch. He declared war on the United States soon after escaping capture. In 1957, Smith Corona Manufacturing began selling portable electric typewriters. In 1974, newspaper heiress Patricia Hearst was kidnapped by the Sibionese Liberation Army. In 75, Hall of Fame blues singer and saxophonist Louis Jordan died at the age of 66. In 1983, singer Karen Carpenter died at the age of 32. She and her brother Richard formed the successful duo The Carpenters. In 2004, officials at the Center for Disease Control said definitive lab tests confirmed that white powder found in the Senate office on Capitol Hill was indeed the deadly toxin ricin. In 2008, controversial college basketball coach Bobby Knight announced his resignation nation from the head coach position of the Texas Tech men's basketball team. And in 2016, Playboy magazine's first non-nude issue hit newsstands. It happened this week, and I'm Freddie Bell. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, Minnesota Family Investment Program, MFIP, and WIC Nutrition, along with other available programs, can help you buy food while budgets are tight. SNAP, MFIP, and WIC benefits can help families access additional support as well, including health screenings, emergency assistance, nutrition education, and employment training. Apply online at applymn.dhs.mn.gov. This message is powered by the Minnesota Department of Health. And now it's time for this week's Point of Focus. I have a great time with my life, and I want to share it. Nowadays, a lot of people think of positivity and optimism as something unrealistic, something almost delusional. It teaches the cultivation of peace of mind as a power center out of which comes driving energy. This is life and enterprise management. I love living. I think that's infectious. It's something that you can't fake. Today's point of focus is power, that inner quality that directs our thoughts, words, and actions. Did you know that every time you think or speak, you're actually applying a creative power? Your choices shape your reality. If you choose to create good, to attract wealth, to establish peace, it's all from that power that you already have. The power of choice. You can actually promote peace in the world through your thoughts, through your words of conciliation, and through constructive action. All true power emanates from the thoughts that you hold in your mind. That's our point of focus, power. 
I'm Freddie Bell. If you'd like to learn more, www.freddybell.com or 888-639-9738. Or you can reach me by email. It's freddie at freddiebell.com. Freddie at freddiebell.com. This is a news-oriented broadcast, and all information is educational in nature is not intended to be legal, securities, tax, or insurance advice. Please consult with the appropriate professional before acting on information heard during the broadcast. You're listening to New Beginnings. New Beginnings with Freddie Bell. Now let's turn our attention to financial health and retirement with Libel Sternbach. He's Amazon's best-selling author of Living with Financial Anxiety and also Authenticity. Libel, welcome back. And I'm just wondering, why is it that it seems that the top 1% pay the least amount in taxes? Clearly, I'm not in the top 1%. So the... Two things. One, the top 1%, they pay, you know, dollar-wise, they pay the most in taxes. Percentage-wise, they pay the least in taxes. And the reason for it, the reason for it is because our tax code is set up to incentivize certain behaviors. And the the, the affluent, right, really people who are in the top 5% of earners, they have discretion with their income, right? When you are, when, when you make barely enough money to cover your expenses, um, or you're living, you know, paycheck to paycheck, you don't have a lot of flexibility in terms of what you can do with your money or how you can earn your money. But when you start having extra money, when you start having more than your necessities, then you start to have a choice of how you earn your money. And it, doesn't take much Google searching. It doesn't take take much of listening to the wealthy talk about money for you to realize one thing. Earning money, earning a paycheck is the most expensive way to make money, right? That it gets taxed at the highest uh, highest rates. It is the most labor intensive. You get the least return on your investment. Um, it is the thing that we got to do when we don't have any other ability to earn money. But the second that anyone really uh, develops ability to earn money elsewhere or other ways, they take it. And our tax code is designed to is a, designed to incentivize that behavior because it is good for our country. When you work and you put you know you put a hard day's labor in, uh, you know an honest day's wage. You get paid an honest day's wage, but that honest day's wage just goes to you, right? You pay your rent, you buy your food. It doesn't really circulate in the economy a lot. What we'd much rather have as a country is we'd want you to not put in a hard day's work, but figure out how to hire a 100 people, uh, figure out how to build some widget that you sell to other countries that they pay money so that we can get the wealth of other nations into our economy. And our tax code is the core of our economic engine that facilitates that transfer of wealth from other nations to us and from within our economy, within our, you know, uh, nation, it facilitates the movement of money to the areas and sectors of the economy that we want to grow. So when we think about why do the 1% pay the least amount in taxes, it's because they are using the tax code to their advantage. They're earning their money in the most tax efficient ways possible. They are spending it 
um, in the areas that our economy, that our country wants us to spend money, right? So, for instance, uh, Elon Musk, right? He built Tesla. Tesla makes more money selling tax credits than they do selling cars. I think the you know tw- for 2020 they sold uh, five billion worth of cars and 50 billion worth of tax credits. Wow! Right. Yeah, it is a significant amount, a portion of their revenue comes from selling these tax credits. And that's true across the board, right? When you look at the tax, at the wealthy, right? They go into these industries that are up and coming. And it's not just because, well, there's great returns on investments when you go into a new field. It's also because there's tax incentives to do it. They own real estate because it's tax advantageous to own real estate. They own, uh, you know, green energy companies and oil companies and coal mines and all of these different companies because there are tax incentives to own those companies, to run those companies, to generate your income that way, as well as giving charity, right? There's incentives to giving charity and all these behaviors, it's codified in the tax code. It changes every few years what they what what Congress wants you to do. But the one percent understand that taxes is a game. It's a treasure map, and the more that you look to the treasure map to tell you what to do with your money, the least the less you're going to pay on your taxes. So we as investors, we as as individuals. Once we meet our necessities, we need to look at our money and we need to say, what is the most tax efficient way of accumulating our wealth of, you know, uh, when it comes time to retirement and we need to take our wealth and we need to turn that into income? What is the most tax efficient way to do that? And if we do not do that work of thinking through these decisions, Congress is going to do it for us and they're going to default to the decision that is most beneficial for them. And so when you ask the question, why do the 1% pay the least in taxes, taxes? it is because they are an active participant in our tax code. They are an active participant in deciding how they earn money and how they pay taxes. And it is something that everyone has the ability to do, assuming that you're meeting your necessities. Interesting. We're talking with Libel Sternbach. For those who don't have that capacity, Libel, to hire 100 people, What's left for us to do to participate in this society? So the uh, what I want you to think about, and I, I talk about this on my website, I got a guide called um, How to Pay Zero Taxes in Retirement, which I walk through, and I've got a class and a webinar that goes through the uh, same concepts. But the concept I want you to think about is I want you to think about taxes as a ladder, right? And what you have is at the bottom rung of this ladder, you've got the least efficient money, right? It's, it's, you're, you got one leg up over being dead broke, right? So, you know, think about wages, right? It, it doesn't really do much. It doesn't do much for the economy. It doesn't do much for you. And you pay the most amounts of taxes on it. Next up, you have things like, uh, you know, tax deferred, right? So your retirement accounts, right? You don't pay taxes on it right away. You get an immediate incentive. Right. So it reduces your taxable income. So it's actually doing something for you. Right. It's, it's by saving money for retirement. You're number one. You're reducing your tax liability today. So that's great. And you're saving for your future and you're saving it on a higher account balance. So that's great. Right now, there are people that are going to say, no, you should always save for Roth. 
a conversation for another time. Uh, you know, whether tax deferred or tax free savings is the way to go. Um, but for now, I want you to think of that middle level as things where you have some kind of tax efficiency built in. And then the final level is what I call the tax me when I choose bucket. Um, and this level is what I think of being the most tax efficient. When we're talking about wages, you don't get to decide when you get taxed, right? You get taxed when you earn it. When you save money for retirement, well, Congress decides when you get taxed on that because you got RMDs, those required minimum distributions that you have to take out of your retirement accounts, which, you know, whether it's age 73 or age 75 now, at some point you're going to have to take that money out. And even if you take that money out earlier, you're going to have to pay taxes on it as if it's ordinary income. So it isn't the most efficient. It's better than wages, but it's still you're going to you're you're going to pay a high tax bill on it. The final level is the tax me when I choose and that's the most efficient because you get to choose when and how you get taxed. And it's very possible that you can pay zero taxes on it on on that money in there. And it is one of the secrets of the wealthy. So if you notice um and you can look at Elon Musk because he's he, he's kind of flamboyant about this. Um but the wealthy very rarely sell their stocks. They very rarely sell things to generate income. Instead, what they do is they borrow against their assets. Mm. And debt in this country is not taxed. And so they will they will borrow against their assets and use that to fund their lifestyle. Now, at some point, they're going to have to pay off that debt. Um, and at some point, there's going to be a tax bill due for that. But they can defer that for a very long time. And it's in all likelihood that if they play their cards right in terms of investing and how they manage things, they can offset a lot of that tax liability both now and in the future. And so when it, when we talk about the wealthy, it's the reason why they pay less in taxes is because they concentrate their wealth in that, in that top level of the tax bracket, of the tax efficiency ladder, where they get to choose when and how they get taxed and they can defer their tax liability to years when it's advantageous to them. Uh, Donald Trump was actually is, is, he's in the news on a regular basis about this, about the fact that he has managed to get tax refunds from the government, uh, <laughs> despite, you know, generating millions of dollars, uh, from his businesses because he's able to use the tax code so efficiently. Um, and so we as regular people, we have the ability to do it. We have the ability to do it on, you know, perhaps a limited basis, but Doing things, whether it's investing in, you know, uh, tax efficient invest, uh, um, positions, whether it, it's about doing things like Roth conversions in years where it's advantageous. So, you know, you lose your job and you're looking for a new job. Well, that's probably a great year to do a Roth conversion because your tax, your, your tax liability that, be, that year is going to be really low. So there are lots of opportunities. You just need to be on the lookout for you because the IRS is not going to come to you and say, hey, you have all these opportunities to save money on your taxes. You have all these opportunities to accumulate wealth. Nobody is going to come and tell you that these opportunities exist except for yourself. You're going to have to go out there and you're going to have to find them um, or hire for yourself a great financial advisor who is aware of these opportunities and not every advisor is. You mentioned uh, a, a Roth conversion being a really excellent way to save money on taxes. So if somebody's trying, they're starting, they're considering taking advantage of these tactics you've just outlined, 
What's the best way to get them started? So number one, do your research and understand what these tactics are. My website is filled with articles, filled with podcasts, filled with training and guides on these different strategies where I go into depth on it. Um, number two, book an appointment with me, right? I'm more than happy to talk with people as, you know, as availability is on my calendar or shoot me an email. Love hearing from you guys. Uh, post a question on my Facebook page. Um, but you know, ask that, that number one is ask, right? And then number two is when you see something and you think, Hey, you know, that's a cool idea that I think applies to me. Speak to a financial advisor, speak to your accountant and get their opinion and then don't just take their word for it. Get a second opinion, right? Because some people will be overly aggressive. Some people will be overly conservative. But you want to kind of see, you know, get all sides and then make a decision for yourself. Um, because the the number one thing that the top 1% have that distinguishes them from everyone else is they have a bias towards action. They will take they will they make decisions quicker than everyone else and they take action where everyone else is thinking. So the biggest thing that you can do to earn wealth for yourself and to help save money on taxes and do these things is to just take action. Um do your research and then take make a decision based on the information you have. And and then continually tweak that decision uh, to your comfort and as you learn and grow. Every time we get together and have an opportunity to chat like this, Libel, I learn so much. And this is one of those I spoke with Maya Angelou years ago. And she says, when you have an epiphany, that's when you turn a glass over. And I think I've turned over two glasses today. That website again is yieldsforyou.com. Yieldsforyou.com. All right. Really insightful, as I just mentioned. And everyone, join us next time as we talk about how to leverage the tax code. And you've heard a lot about that today, how to leverage the tax code to stretch your retirement savings and ensure that you don't run out of money. Libel's website is yields for you. That's yields for you dot com yields the number four, the letter U dot com. I'm Freddie Bell and more new beginnings is straight ahead. It's New Beginnings, and today is National Rubber Duck Day. A friend of Ernie and Big Bird, Ducky, made his debut in a February 1970 episode. The Rubber Ducky has come a long way from his first concept as a chew toy for children. While the origin of the first Rubber Ducky is uncertain, many rubber-molded toys came about when rubber manufacturing developed in the late 1800s. They produced a variety of toys from dolls and various animal shapes, including the Rubber Duck. In 1928, Landon Smart Lawrence received the first patent for a rubber duck toy. His clever design weighted the toy so that when it tipped, it returned to an upright position. The sketch included with the patent was that of a duck. Sales of the iconic yellow rubber ducky we've come to know today stored in Britain in 2001. Why? A British tabloid, The Sun, reported that Queen Elizabeth II had a rubber duck in her bathroom that wore an inflatable crown. The rubber ducky became a toy Hall of Fame inductee in 2013, founded in 1998, the Hall of Fame has only inducted 52 other toys. Congratulations to the Rubber Ducky. I'm Freddie Bell, and we'll be right back. God is always present 
with us when we place our faith in God. We receive the Holy Spirit that dwells with us and in us. We activate or quickly become aware of God when we center on God quickly and completely. It doesn't take an hour's long prayer. It doesn't take, it only takes a second. There's a song, Judy, that says, in a minute, in that second, in that hour, we become connected with the spirit within. As I mentioned earlier, the natural inclination is to turn to God in times of trouble. And I would suggest that we invite God into our lives and turn to God for everything. This is a process of fulfillment. I've told this story before, and I won't belabor it, but I can remember taking God into everything, and I was talking with Francine about something, and we're not on the same page, and I said, I need to take it to God, and and then I said, no, I got this. Well, I didn't have this. (laughs) I went into the shower, and I came back. I was in the shower, actually, and I just heard this feeling where it's knowing, well, you should have turned to me. You wouldn't have gone through that. And I'm like, yeah, you're right, God. So I felt like Adam walking and talking. Yeah, I shouldn't have eaten that fruit. Yeah, I know. I told you. (laughs) So I say that because when we turn wholeheartedly to the God within, without the slightest doubt or question, situations in our lives start to change, typically for the better. It's like depositing money into a savings account and experiencing that sense of gratefulness when months later, years later, you look at the balance of that account and you go, oh my goodness, what just happened here? It's the same thing. So when we start looking for help, as we sometimes do, sometimes for guidance outside of ourselves, we tend to limit our vision And we can cancel out some of the great resources that God has waiting for us. So, principle principle number one says, God is all. God is all. And this can be our affirmation for the next week. Focus less on the concern. However, I would suggest that you focus more on the God within. I say this only because the process allows God to change us at death, from the inside out. The power within can show us the way to gain control over every obstacle as we know that God is all. Our only requirement is this, is to develop that I trust in God mentality and allow the God within to be responsible. I read some statements of affirmation from Loretta Taggart, from the wonderful service that was here at Unity just a few weeks ago. And if you had an opportunity, you could see on the table these wonderful affirmations that she lived and governed her life by. And she would come up to me and she'd go, hello, Gerald, how are you? And I'm fine. She goes, how's that lovely wife of yours? And I said, she's fine too. And then she goes, everything in divine order? I say, well, yes, it is. She goes, are you sure? I say, yes, I am. She says, okay, good. So I'll ask you, is everything in divine order? Is everything working out well? I I dare us 
to immerse our immerse ourselves completely into that realm of the God Spirit. As we release ourselves and experience for ourselves, we begin to see how spirit can change the color and the texture of our lives. This is how we glorify God. I've seen it happen as the power unfolds in front of me every day. I could be here a week telling you about how God shows up for me and my family. And like Reverend Stacy, I'm not going to take a week. I'll take a couple of minutes. In family matters, God is the answer. With my girls, as I see them from my oldest to my favorite granddaughter, I only have one grandchild, I see how God is expressing and molding their lives. I've seen things happen in their lives that I thought early, early on could never happen. And I see it unfolding just like turning the pages of a book. It's just that easily. In Francine, I recall how she expressed with some friends of ours about her desire to be in management with her company that she was affiliated with, the federal government. And with these friends, we decided, why don't you just write it down? If you want to be in management, write it down. And all we had at that dinner was just a cocktail napkin. She wrote it down on that cocktail napkin, committing in thought and on paper to what she desired. She has since retired twice. The second time after directing an agency that feeds the hungry. She retired the first time after leading the criminal investigative arm of the federal agency spanning internationally and three quarters of the United States. And her heart keeps getting bigger and bigger because she dared to prove that God is active in her life. So for my wife, for my girls, God is the answer. In one particular lesson, you may have heard uh, my expression about how we have all witnessed how God is the answer in each one of your lives. I likened it to the stories that we find in the Bible. Uh, Some of you may have heard that. And all of you, in my opinion, are walking billboards for God answering your prayers. I can see it showing up. I can see the activity of spirit in your life. Now, if you doubt that this morning, my job, my only job, is to remind you that God really is the answer. In the leadership of our church, the right leaders for the right times have appeared, each one guiding, teaching, and helping us to see that God is the answer. Like my children, and they like to say the word literally, Literally, God is the answer for every situation in our lives. When we turn within, as Reverend Stacy told me, you can see that God is the answer. Occasionally, we need reminders. So here is a do-it-yourself test. 
each day from now until Thanksgiving. Take note on your computer. Take note on your phone. Take note on your iPad or old school. Write it down in a notebook or like Francine on a cocktail napkin. And just note how God is appearing in your life and shows up as the answers to your prayer. It doesn't have to be a long dissertation. Just take note and write it down. And then on that Thursday, on Thanksgiving Day, look back and count your many blessings. The scriptures say, prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, that I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing, so much so that you won't have room enough to receive it. And Jeremy, like the savings account, there's something that's called compounded interest. As you take note, that's a deposit into yourself, into your body, into your spirit that grows exponentially. I wish I knew the rules of seven, but it grows exponentially and gets bigger and more present every day. Without a doubt, your life will take on a new certainty. It'll take on a new poise, a new color, a new meaning. And all of this happens as we recognize God as a one presence, the one power in our lives. And as we vow to let nothing stand between us and the power that sustains us all. So in closing, God fortifies. God strengthens. God heals us and provides for our every need. God calms us. God soothes us and works mightily to increase our stature and sustains and guides us every moment, every minute, every second of every day. Here's our job, is to place our trust in God, regardless of the outer appearances, regardless of what other people may be thinking, regardless of what other people may be saying and doing. Remember this, like math, two plus two is always four. Like gravity, you don't have to like it to keep you on the ground. And like Adam, you can walk and talk with God in the morning and in the evening, anytime you get ready. Because the moment that we turn within, God is already there. God is the answer. Thank you so much. And here are today's words to the wise. Conduct yourself with dignity. Today's words to the wise. Conduct yourself with dignity.
That's our show, and thanks to our special guests for stopping by and sharing information that we help can change lives. If you missed any of today's show, you can subscribe to our podcast or just Google Freddie Bell or stop by my website of the same name. Thanks for listening, and remember that each day is a chance for a new beginning. See you next week.